Hello, listeners. This is producer John. Open Pike Night is going to be at Trek Long Island 2024. From May 31st to June 2nd, Cameron and myself, producer John, will be in the Big Apple living long and prospering. We'll be hosting a panel. We'll be giving out stickers. We will have our microphones. Be sure to follow Open Pike on social media and subscribe to openpike.substack.com because we also will be giving away some Trek Long Island weekend passes. Trek Long Island is May 31st to June 2nd at the Hyatt Regency in Hopog, New York. thing on hello hello welcome to open pike night i'm your host john t bolds here tonight with some amazing guests on stage and in the studio to discuss episode seven of strange new worlds serene squall join us on a journey as we cast off the rules of civilized society make our romantic relationships far more complicated than they need to be, and have a little fun exploring beyond the bounds of Open Pike Night territory. We'd like to take a moment to thank our first ever sponsor for Open Pike Night, Gruel. For when you need a runny, disgusting, nutrient-sparse meal, and you're all out of sawdust, Gruel, just like Mom used to make. Joining me today are my co-hosts, the man who would, at a bare minimum, Expect the hijacking of three Federation ships and the ransoming of an admiral to gain his freedom. Host of Sudden But Inevitable, Jesse. Star Trek. Yes, you're correct about my ransom price, though. Good good job. And the man who will not stop talking like a pirate, champion of the Cheap Seat Reviews All-Stars competition, and host of Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through TNG, Cam. If you ordered the Captain Special, we have had some isolated reports of mutiny involved with that. So maybe <laughs> just stick with the mozzarella sticks tonight. We're going to hop right into our first guest on stage at Open Pike Night. What's up, John, Cameron, Jesse, an amazing, wonderful, gorgeous, beautiful guest. Guess what? I drink some mimosas today in the hot tub with my best friend, and I'm going to talk about strange new worlds. Check out Pike's hair this episode. It starts very erect, and then it becomes kind of floppy. But being floppy doesn't mean that he can't convince a crew of pirates to mutiny against their captain. Having that floppy hair just makes him more rakish and more convincing to a group of pirates so that they'll follow his lead no matter where he goes. Now that we've moved on from Pike's B-plot hair, which should always be an A-plot, by the way, I want to talk about Spock and his many admirers, female, male, it doesn't matter. Everybody wants to fuck Spock, and I totally agree with them. I mean, I watch shows because of the action, because of the special effects, but mostly because I want to see people falling in love. And this is what's happening. Spock's figuring out, who do I want to love? And who does he want to love? I really don't know. I mean... I think a lot of people think it might be Kirk. What do you guys think? Who does Spock really love? And I'm going to bring it up. The thing that everybody hates, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Well, guess what? At least Star Trek doesn't have tragic love stories. 
Right, Cameron? I mean, I've complained about it constantly. Every Star Wars love story is a tragedy. But I feel like we've seen a lot of really happy Star Trek love stories. Thank you. Thank you, Star Trek. Thank you for Deanna and Riker. Imzadis for life. All right, that was previous guest host Marcy at PNW Beetroot on Twitter. And now that she's uh, sobered up a little bit, Marcy, welcome back to Open Pike Night. <laughs> yeah, I am amazing, awesome, beautiful, wonderful guest, aren't I? I mean, good job, Marcy. That was some amazing comments you made about Pike's hair. I mean, I totally agree that it should have its own show. I mean, it has its own Twitter, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. It does. Marcy, how did you do this call-in subsequent guest host thing? Would you... Did you use a time crystal for that? Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I crystals. I had no doubt. I knew and there was going to be And then, you know, I had to rub involved. that juice on my head, that that mm-hmm. Dr. Crusher urchin Crush- juice, yep. <laughs> juice, stick some crystals on there. Back in time. Now, you did make a point, though, that uh, Pike seems to have given an entire pirate crew an insurrection. Right? <laughs> that- wow, just out of the gate. Yes. There's nowhere to go. Right. You can't yes. go up from there, Jesse. It's all downhill now. We have been open pike night. Thank you for joining us for episode seven. Insurrection erection. Yeah, so here's here's a little peek behind the curtain for the folks out there listening. Uh, we are recording much later than normal, so we might get a little more risque than usual on this episode of Open Pike <laughs> Night. Who knows? Literally open pike after dark. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. This is the latest that uh, the stage has ever been open for uh, any sort of commentary. Well, Marcy, thank you for coming on very last minute. You did not know you were the guest when you made those very lovely and accurate comments. No, it was time crystals. It was time crystals. And it was time crystals. I don't know. Like with Jesse's recent comment, I don't know if you're going to be able to beat that audio clip because that was pretty amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. But but please, uh, please attempt to. Who do I think Spock loves? To answer your question, what you had asked. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is definitely still figuring that out. I do love, I, I think this episode has a lot of very good dialogue writing throughout it. And one of the bits I like is, you know, when he tells both uh, T'Pring and Nurse Chapel, you know me so well, saying, of course, you don't know me at all. And neither does he really. They're all trying to figure out Spock. He is the mystery box. That's Kind of what's so funny is that he doesn't know himself, so he's kind of got the Vulcan woman and the human woman, and he likes aspects of both, right? Because he's Vulcan and he's human, and I think certainly he's made a decision, quote-unquote, with T'Pring, just because that's what he gravitates to, because that's his culture that he grew up in, but I think he also is intrigued by this human aspect of Chapel. But I wouldn't say he's in love with either of them, to be honest. I don't think he knows what he wants. Well, I think that's why he's so looking forward to the colon R, right? Is because he's like, I just want emotions to be away so that I don't have to <laughs> that's a good point. figure yeah. this out yeah. at all. Like, it's like if if I were going to, you know, equate it to something clumsily, which is how I, I'm about to do this, uh, if I had to place it somewhere uh, on, like, the sexuality spectrum, I'd say it was closer to asexual 
than anything, right? Because sure. he's just like, I don't know, like, just get this away from me. I don't know how. Except when he's making out works. with Tapring. Yeah. But, <laughs> or even Nurse Chapel. He does enjoy those moments. Right. So he seems to be like, it, there's definitely some kind of weird mental block, though, with both of those partners, right? So he's got something more going on. And that is an excellent point. Nerdy. And, and okay. with, with showing that kind of growth and confusion, it definitely helped with the probably only somewhat believable part of Captain Angel, Dr. Aspen's plan um, of keeping him off balance the whole time so that he didn't realize what was going on. But did we really need another Spock to bring focused episode no. seven episodes into the first season of this show? <laughs> I mean, I yes. we got a lot of characters we haven't explored. And as some of our guests are going to say, there's two characters we didn't even see in this episode. So like, oh, I did not realize that Strange New Worlds was going to lean so heavily into old, well-trodden territory. Well, I will point out that up to this point, Uhura has had quite a number of episodes. I promise oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not complaining, but. I just, I actually, I found, I, like you, I was very surprised how much Tapring has uh, featured into this season of Strange New Worlds. I thought, like, yes, yeah, they'd bring her up in the beginning. Maybe we'd see her one more time. They'd break up. That's it. Just setting up what comes in TOS. But I'm finding myself really liking it. By, the, by their, uh, you know, their consummation at the end of this episode... I'm like really starting to buy into their relationship and it's turning it into this more like tragic uh, romance. Sorry, Marcy, but it is. It's going to become a tragic romance between those two. And I'm, <laughs> She's I like what they're eyes. doing with it. They <laughs> they need if they were going to bring it up, they needed to sell it. And I feel that bringing her back this way and the interactions they've had have sold it for me. I agree with you. I actually thought that this was going to be the break, though. I was like, oh, no, like that's not that's totally unfair. And then. They were, she was like, no, I get it. And I was like, oh, right, because the, these people are smart. Like, we know that they're smart. We've seen them be smart. Like, of course, she would be like. Let's hear from a couple yeah. more guests on okay. stage, and then we'll, we'll get right back into what I'm sure will be a hot debate. <laughs> so riled up. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, this is Jesse from Alaska, and I just finished watching The Serene Squall. I really like Captain Angel, a.k.a. Space Goth. She ended up being not exactly what I was expecting her to be. And she was after the person I was not expecting would show up in this series. Spock's brother. Spoiler alert. I like the the fact that we saw our first Orion in the series, uh, who was one of the pirates. Uh, I was just thinking about that the other day. Cooking. Like, I always come back to uh, captains have ties to food and drink. And it happened again. Pike offered to cook up something that looked... I don't know, like chili or something. I don't know what, where Hammer was this season. I feel like he probably could have been pretty useful. I don't know where the rest of the crew was because you only saw a couple of them locked up. So maybe they were in like locked in the lower decks or cargo hold or something. But I don't know. Hammer could have been useful. Chaplain Spock, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some fan fiction written tonight, you know? <laughs> But I, I kind of like that. I like uh, the fact that T'Pring acknowledged it and kind of pushed aside it as well. And I, I, I'm absolutely loving the fact that we're getting more Vulcan culture in this. And that was Jesse at Electric Either on Twitter and host of the new Into the Void Horror podcast. And here's Josh at Josh Alder on Twitter. Somebody compared the opening scene with Spock and T'Pring 
as Vulcan sexting via book report. I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. Also, someone mentioned that Captain Angel um, wears all black and has uh, black hair. And Chapel wears all white and has platinum blonde hair. So they are basically a mirror image of each other. Um, and they're kind of, they kind of act in this episode as Spock's own personal devil and angel. Uh, kind of nice little comparison there. Um, when Angel reveals her true self and eventually you know, gets away, it reminded me of uh, some of the other trickster Star Trek characters like Trelane in, in TOS and Q, um, of course, in TNG, um, because they're all fascinated by Starfleet, um, but they're also like condescending. Um, and I just kind of like that, uh, like those characters because they're really interesting. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be seeing Captain Angel again. Um, I really like the scene where Angel, um, says, well, now I understand why you're known as Starfleet's Boy Scout. And he's like, I, I'm no Boy Scout. And, and Una says, uh, it's, it's literally in your file, Chris. Um, this reminded me of Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan because, um, Kirk's son, David says, remember that overgrown Boy Scout you used to hang around with, uh, that's exactly uh, the kind of guy. And then his mother, Carol Marker, says, Listen, kiddo, Jim Kirk was many things, but he was never a Boy Scout. Cam, what's one of your favorite parts about TNG episodes? Like, like we mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is something you really like? Uh, when, they, when the crew's just kind of hanging out, doing their own thing. How about how competent they are? I like the competency porn of TNG episodes. Well, you got a whole lot of incompetency porn on this episode, uh, didn't you? Did I? <laughs> I don't know. It sure felt uh, like Angel it, was I... Angel was very competent. Your chapel seemed Nurse to be fucking su- super competent. Yeah. She's literally knocking people out with her like hypo spray. Yes, there are individual bouts of competency, but every group it felt like was <sighs> The the whole pirate thing, Angel literally mm. describes the Serene Squall crew as fiercely loyal to each other, <laughs> and then goes on to demonstrate that they have no control over their crew, and their second in command is a terrible Orion pirate, despite Orion's being successful enough pirates to be villains 900 years into the future still. <laughs> I it just like, wow. Why is everybody afraid of this pirate crew? Because these these guys are dumb. These are guys are bad at their job. I did have problems with that. Like, why was this pirate? I forget his name, but the, yeah, the second in command. Like, why does he even have any agency to go sell these people at all? Shouldn't they be sitting there waiting for their captain to get back to deal with this? Right, I, you it, would think so. It felt like there's a little bit like you, wanting their cake and eating it too. Situation. Is he with supposed some of this to plotting. be like? Is he supposed to go? Oh, our real captain is over on your ship right now. Uh, deluding everybody on your crew into believing that they're a friend of them. I mean, you could do a mutiny without making it a captain's. You like yeah. the food was enough of a focus. Shitty food is enough reason to mutiny. I that mean, is the fact that how he's most mutinies start. <laughs> That's true. Is shitty food. The fact that he's not the real captain at all would have made it easier to mutiny. Like they probably were all like jostling over who got to be uh, I think... acting captain. If you don't think that yeah. when Angel left the Serene Squall. They turned to him and said, and whatever you do, do not sell them to the Klingons until I get back. Then you're deluding yourself. That's absolutely yeah. what Captain Angel would have done. Yeah. And they're okay. First of all, pirates, 
And <laughs> that's the answer for like four of your questions. And beyond that, like there's a, there's a there is something to the bark being worse than the bite, right? Like we're going to oh, yeah. tell a big story, we're going to have this super fierce like uh, reputation and then when people run into us maybe we can just sort of talk our way through a bunch of different confrontations rather than actually have to fight with you know let's be honest not a great ship I don't know what the fuck you're talking about John that pirate <laughs> stuff was amazing like Agreed. yeah yep. there's some stuff that's like okay it's not that believable and I think there is a caller in who talked about how they didn't like the marvelization of Strange New Worlds. And yeah. I feel like this is basically um, Star-Lord's crew in <laughs> Star Trek world. Like, when they show up and it's all the hijinks, I was just, like, eating it up. Like, Pike having to do a dinner party for a bunch of pirates. <laughs> like, first of all, they start, they, they set it up. They set it up early in the episode with the dinner party with Captain Angel. And then, like, Again, I just love seeing that room where he's got the fire in the background. And I have to talk to you guys about this fire because you've talked about it a lot. <laughs> like, even if it's a real fire, who fucking cares, John? It's you know they have amazing <laughs> suppression systems, okay? Like, Thank it's probably. Yes! Thank like, you. come on. You can have a. Like, you. It's so dumb that you think that he's you shouldn't have of a fire. damn flagship. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got, like, an extinguisher right above it. It's, it's fine. And the minute you lose artificial gravity, that fire is. Out of control. You don't, oh, know, well, you don't they, know what's burning. Have they ever lost artificial gravity? Like once in Enterprise. <laughs> Never, <happened>. Cameron. <laughs> once in Enterprise. Yeah. What if what it's burning is gravity so that as soon as they lose artificial <laughs> gravity, the fire goes out? You didn't think of but, that, did you? <laughs> anyway, so dinner parties, it's it's teed up with... And then they get to the, <laughs> the pirate ship and he's got a fucking apron on making him dinner. I mean, to the point of the pirate's intelligence, what is the name of the pirate ship? Uh, the, the Serene, Serene Squall. Squall. The Serene Squall? Like, who named that? Taser face? That doesn't make any sense. That's just someone who likes alliteration. Cameron. And actually, all of you, can can we just call this Orion pirate phaser face? Because I think that would be yes! easier. Yes! Phaser face! That's his name yeah. from now on. Phaser yeah. face is easier to remember. So to Marcy's point and Jesse's point, Pike's cooking. This is not a critique on the writing. It's fine. I know people like this. I know people like Captain Pike. Captain Pike, I know you love to cook. I know that you love to let everyone else know that you love to cook. I don't give a rebonding ritual how much you love to cook. Just give me some replicated food. Jesus, do you have to like rub it in our face every <laughs> other day? Yeah, if, me... <sighs> if he's going to look sexy in a fucking Patagonia shirt cooking food for like that is how he gets his fucking women, Cameron. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm saying this as someone who has trouble with Kraft macaroni and cheese. I'm just <laughs> yeah. jealous as all. I see. Like, okay, here's here's the only spot where I disagree with you, Marcy. Oh, I God. don't think I don't think that these were Guardians of the Galaxy characters. I think they were straight up Star Wars characters. Like there's a lot of Star Wars parallels. Yeah. yeah, if you are subscribed to the Open Pike Night Crew Manifest newsletter, which is a free weekly reminder to send your vocal submission to us here at Open Pike Night, you know that we opened this week's newsletter with, "Oh no, the Enterprise has been boarded by Star Wars characters." And you know that because, as John mentioned, they're not great at their jobs. They're not great shots. Like, they're pretty easily taken out by people with 
basically any level of general competency, uh, but with enough of them, you can pull off a slight hijacking. And their phasers literally sound like the phasers from Star Wars when they're oh, yeah. running through well, the they're, hallways. They're full on blasters. Blaster yeah. sounds. And yep. then I found my dildo, guys. Oh. The rifles. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> they oh, look man, just I like love dildos. When Spock was running her <laughs> like, through the Enterprise yeah, like a- carrying that like rusty old <laughs> yeah. musket dildo. Like, yeah, oh, that was good. Exactly. Spock and his weapon handling skills like, damn, dude. Okay, you have been training a tactical because <laughs> you look badass right now. And you are you are maintaining your weapon well so we do need to discuss because we did some have somebody send in a clip specifically about it i'm going to play the clip and then we will discuss the pike with the gruel on his face see (laughs) hi open pike this is mary i just wanted to come in and add a contribution this week uh i was gobsmacked and uh unfortunately so gruel smacked so was pike what in the hell was going on there i mean i Fan service is fine, folks, but what are you doing? It it's it was weird. Fun, but weird. <laughs> All right. Let's take our time and talk about the just whole scene with, with a gruel cum shot on his face. Well, I I would imagine that there is a uh a contingent of folks out there uh who really enjoy a good uh mess of any kind shall we say and i'm <laughs> this is pure conjecture because uh i believe i may be on the record as um being a person who does not like a mess and um <laughs> i mean just like in general like i try to be tidy right so i think that it's possible what the uh, i believe this is a first time caller is referring to is that you know this was clearly for people who uh, wanted to see Pike get messed up, but there was no mud in this episode, so they couldn't like throw him into a pit, right? Like, I mean, if you thought the the child sacrifice was hard to watch last episode, what <laughs> happens to Pike's hair and face in this? Oh, oh, it was tough. It was tough. He literally compliments his amazing jawline, and then like, <laughs> yeah. and I had no idea what had been tossed on his face. It could have been cum at first, because I was like. <laughs> I have no idea. And he's like, oh, is this gruel? If they hadn't said gruel, I, I would have been convinced that guy was like, I'm going to jack off on you until you like, give me the codes. Like, I mean, I mean, that is a power move. That would be a, <laughs> yeah, a like yeah. any pirate. It's like, hey, man, that's you really want to throw your your uh, cat, your captives off. Like, there you go. But I like how Pike's immediately his eyes get all like twinkly and he's like, Oh, this is how I'm gonna like mutiny the crew. Is there like <laughs> shitty gruel? Now I'm gonna make them a fine meal. It's so dumb that Let it's amazing. Let me just whip out my big cook book. <laughs> Swing yeah. it around. Let everyone know. Let's just say we are very happy that the Universal Translators happen to be functioning for this encounter. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. Because if he was like, "Is that gruel?" and they were like, "What did he ask if that was?" and like, <laughs> and one of them was like, "I don't know, just say yes." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to comment on how much fun Una seemed to be having, and how <laughs> she and Pike totally have a Budapest, uh, a la yes. Hawkeye yeah. and uh, Natasha Romanoff, right? Yes. Well, this this is the Star Wars and Marvel episode of Strange New Worlds, like yeah, but heavily on both fronts. Yeah, I'd say it's better yeah. pulled off than either. But yes, 
Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of skeptical looks on the uh, vid screens right now, people. That's fine. I'm very used to those. I, I am, I have a lot of concerns about what this episode up, but I think the main thing I missed, if you're going to set up a fun mutiny plotline, it's an, it's a streaming show. They could have given us five more minutes of the mutiny plot, yeah. like show the mutineers letting them out. Show Pike giving the whole crew an inspirational speech. Show the screw over and them taking over the bridge. I agree. What the, show the whole the whole like in the whole wrap up of the 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 conflict was way too fast and confusing. Yeah, I I love seeing Pike behind the giant ship's pirate wheel. That's cool, but it's also. It's also just like, oh, and then they conveniently know where they went to meet to Pring and show up just in time before Spock's whole plan fell to pieces and his fiance was blasted out of the sky by the Federation's flagship. There's a lot of like convenient pieces falling into place at the end. I would think Pike has some kind of like, okay, I'm going to enter the, uh, locate my starship code into my phaser or to my tricorder, right? And it would be like, oh, are you the captain of the Enterprise? You parked in sector. Two hundred and forty. They just heard a beep from that side of the asteroid yep. field. Yeah, he's like, everybody, <laughs> shut up! Beep beep. The nacelles flash. Beep beep. I do want to go back to Josh's comment. He had mentioned, you know, the uh, the whole opening between Spock and T'Pring, which oh yeah, you know, lets yeah. you know that you're in for a fun episode. There's some fun stuff there. I do. I I love the moment where she's like, "Let's talk about human sex," and he goes, "What?" Yeah, which is full on spit take. Yeah, my uh, my TNG connection going to Riker and the Outcast when he's asked to uh, describe his genitalia, and he just goes. <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> pretty classic. I'm wondering how different is human and Vulcan sex? Because from what we've seen, the Vulcan sex is pretty similar to human. Well, that's why I still feel like Vulcans are basically like data where they say they don't have emotion, but they have an emotion like we talk about on green shirt. And like when they passionately kiss, they look like they're passionately kissing like Passion is yeah. an emotion. You ain't suppressing <laughs> those emotions. But. Yeah. <laughs> this specifically is kind of like the point I feel of introducing the Cybok character because Cybok in The Final Frontier is like, my people used to really be emotional, right? Like, we used to bone really emotionally all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which sort of implies. It's like it's it's one of the lines from the movie. Does he I think literally he says, say we blabone? I think he says no. something like that. Not a line from the final. I know. If that was a line from the final frontier, that would be the most successful Star Trek movie of all time. I had I had to like literally watch the trailer for that movie because I was like, I know I've watched I've watched every single movie, but I could not remember that one. But he so they <laughs> well, and they make a reason, point. Marcy. Even Angel specifically mentions like, well, not all Vulcans. You know, some Vulcans are just like, yeah, give me give me that emotion straight to my veins. And they all have them. That's why they have to go through the culinar process is to sure. purge the emotion, right? So it's not that they don't have them. It's that they're choosing to suppress them. And I think you're totally right. Culinar, is that what Spock was doing at the beginning of the motion picture? Yes, it was. Okay. I believe okay. so. Which he did not end up doing. So Correct. Spock never did go through culinar, at least I'd, by I the think, end of Undiscovered Country. I think Correct. in no universe has Spock ever actually gone through Colin. Oh, interesting. Because even in the Kelvin. Some seeds. In, and in the 09, yeah, he mentions that he's thinking about it, but he hasn't done it yet. 
Interesting. Well, um, then they start shit talking his parents, and he goes and joins Starfleet. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of the Spock and Data parallel, though, Marcy, I like that we actually got. Uh, so normally we got Data saying Spock things like "fascinating" or "sensors," right? Here we get to hear Spock say "counselor," which is something that Data usually mm. says. Yeah. And I was like, my nerd Aww. heart went, "Oh, I love it." I'm so yeah. happy. It's full circle now. I actually liked her in this role as a counselor. Yes. Yes. I feel like this is kind of what we would have liked Deanna to do because she's actually good at that. She's good mm-hmm. at the psych manipulation, obviously, because mm-hmm. she's manipulating him as well. But if she, if you thought of her just in the counseling role when she comes in and starts talking to him about his um, dichotomous nature, that I was convinced. I was like, yeah, she's good at this. Like. And it's kind of how you wanted to see Deanna in TNG, where she was really letting the character figure out what what they wanted to do, guiding them instead of, like, telling them, you know? That was some um, more of that, like, great dialogue, that scene between them, like, the repartee of, like, uh, uh, says you, says most Vulcans. I, I feel like I use that line a lot. Like, says you, says most people who saw the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, I will say, I will forgive a lot of my issues with this episode. If they actually go and rescue Dr. Aspen and then <laughs> Dr. Aspen becomes the counselor on the enterprise. Like, oh, that would be I'll awesome. be impressed cool if they idea. do like they've set, set it up. They're alive on a planet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Get a counselor. Who's like about fucking time. Um, <laughs> thanks. So it's like, I guess I'll be your counselor now. Star Trek traditionally does not return to characters who were once marooned on a planet. So I don't know. What <laughs> <they're> <laughs> <doing> <laughs> This is true. Um, yeah, but I, caused them problems I cannot the past, let. So, yeah, I can't let this go by. I don't know how Marcy found this out, but Dichotomous Nature is my Vulcan rapper name. How did you know that? <laughs> All right, let's hear from our next couple guests on stage. Uh, Cam, do you want to take a guess at <clears throat> guess at any Crusher connections this week? I'm thinking. I had. I mean, obviously, there's another Riker one when Ortegas enjoys flying manually. Which I think is a great uh, call because Melissa Navia has said that Riker was her favorite character on TNG. But no, oh, yeah. I don't have a Crusher connection, so I'm eager to hear what Michelle has for us. Here we go. Hey, Open Pike Night. Had a great time last week. And here are some of my thoughts for Episode 7. First of all, Cybok? Now, full disclosure, I had seen on Twitter that there was a big reveal at the end of Episode 7. And when they started talking about the Kulinar... I kind of figured it might be Cybok because he was all about not purging emotion. And I'm probably one of those few fans that don't hate Star Trek V. I actually really enjoyed a lot of the character development and character beats. Uh, although the plot, not so much. But I am here for the row, row, row your boat of it all. It's all good. Uh, but Cybok, yeah, I'm interested in seeing more of him. Let's Let's do it. And we also saw Stan in this episode, and I think we're getting more of an idea of T'Pring's motivations in a muck time. So she's not just going to be this like evil female character that dismissed Spock. Like there will be some reasoning behind it, which I think is good. I also like the twist with Captain Angel, although they didn't have facial recognition to tell that Captain Angel was not Dr. Aspen to begin with. But anyway, uh, and also um, enjoyed all the stuff with Captain Pike and cooking and then the mutiny and all that. 
but the Beverly Crusher of it all, I would just, I'm just going to point to Unrequited Love. Spock and Nurse Chapel, Beverly Crusher, and Captain Picard. Um, and there are my thoughts. I can't wait for next week. It looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> Live long and prosper, guys. And that was Michelle at On the Rock 81 on Twitter and creator of the Picard and Crusher Watch Strange New World series. And here is our first new guest of the evening, Mary at Dammit Beans on Twitter. This is Mary. Um, I'm from the Twitter account, Dammit Beans, which is my cat. I just wanted to say a few things about the show this week. I loved it. I love all of these shows. There's there's just nothing to complain about about any of them. They're that I, I can watch them for hours and I can see little details in everything. And it, ah, the, the artistry that goes into the show is simply stunning. The actors, the cinematography, the art, the costuming, the jokes. I'm here for the jokes. I love the jokes. Um, did anybody notice that, that Stan showed up this week? Remember Stan and Tapring? That's going to be interesting. This whole arc with uh, Christine Chapel, Spock, Tapring, Stan. Cyborg, oh my god, this is getting good. We got more Tegas, and it was funny. Uh, the blind date thing, I loved that. Um, and I could not stop laughing uh, that last little bit between Una and Pike. I, I flipped out. Had to play it a few times, and every time I was, I was, uh, I was laughing harder and harder until I had tears running down my face. It got, it just kept getting funnier. The way Pike settled back into his chair after he was reprimanded it was uh it was it was it was it was perfect so uh we've got this whole big cyborg reveal at the uh, thanos i mean cyborg yeah cyborg Th- okay he didn't this... say anything or turn all the way around or do anything with his yeah. hand so it's not thanos it's cyborg it, it's almost thanos i mean <laughs> no I don't know. thanos is uh, Okay. The, the very in first his, scene in his respective over his shoulder a little bit. In I his mean, respective universe, I think Thanos is a larger deal than Cybok is in the Star Trek universe. Right. So let's I yeah, that's yeah. sort of what I mean by that. I'm just um, saying that the choice they did of casting Josh Brolin as Cybok, it's like, okay, man, this is <laughs> a little Which on the would nose. be pretty badass. Stan, is Stan the Vulcan that T'Pring chooses in, in, in TOS? Yeah, I did not I know that. That's so. cool. Okay. I, I, yeah. I mean, okay. it must be based on the caller's comments. Why else and bring up that one random character? And he He's seems so to have been so nerdy looking. Yeah. I was going to say, they cast him based solely <laughs> on his happening? haircut, and it, it seems to have been spot on from what I can see on Twitter. Yeah, they did pick a good actor from, yeah, again, I, I, I don't think I've even seen a mug time, so. Here's the thing, okay, with uh, the facial recognition and Dr. Angel, or sorry, Dr. Aspen slash Captain Angel, um, Una is actually in Starfleet and not a human, so, like... Starfleet's yeah, I, not look, great at a hundred percent bumped on it too, and notice that they conveniently like just skipped past all of that part. But yeah, it's also a very Star Trek thing to do. Let's not forget that there was like a Romulan spy pretending to be a high-ranking Vulcan ambassador for like twenty years. Well, yes, well, and they also mentioned the word frontier, right? Like they were like, or maybe that he yeah. said the Wild West or something like that, because they were like they're out here on the edge of Federation space. Up till now, we've been mostly comfortably within Federation space, except this one episode where we were near Gorn territory. And let me tell you, anyways, um, 
So well, I like the, the bit where Doctor Aspen is like, "Oh yeah, you're the Boy Scout, right?" And he's like, "I'm not a Boy Scout." And you can kind of see them go, "Uh," and then Una's like, "No, it's in your file," because I'm sure that's where they read it. I'm sure they read Pike's file. And- in 2008, mm. the Slash Film Podcast guest starred Stephen Toblowski, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day, where our buddy, going? and they uh, had an interview. They talked about the Mummy, Curse of the 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 Jet Leave entry the third the one no one movie. watched right the one okay. no one yeah. watched mm-hmm. and he brought up something that has stuck with me for years when they bring a bunch of yetis in to fight their war <laughs> he's like that was your plan a that of all the plans you could have made that was your plan a and that was all i could think about with with captain angel's entire cybox entire plan i get that cybox is pulling the strings it's like that was your plan look I, I admit I asked if the Ankishtan Katil, not a prison, really is harder to break into than stealing the flagship Enterprise. Uh, but maybe. Actually, maybe. I mean, yeah. It's I inv- mean, invading a planet, probably. Like, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, but, I, so here was, here's where I went, John, because I was kind of asking a lot of questions, but I thought the episode did a good job of like making it more, more sense because you're like, why would angels try to steal this starship? Is that really the best way to like hostage or your levy. Uh, yeah. But then they explain it. Oh, I'm here for you, Spock. Oh, why are they here for Spock? Oh, okay. Because they wanted to do a prisoner exchange, but it was Spock really the best prisoner exchange. Oh, she's dating his brother. Oh, now it makes more like it did keep making a little bit more sense as it went. And I, I, I mean, as much as any of these genre TV shows plots make sense, I thought they did a pretty good job. Have you guys not seen the Ankishtan Katil redemption? Because <laughs> it explains that it's not. Are you so saying much- <laughs> the plan A should have been Angel sending a poster to Cybok? Yeah. Did you not- have you not seen the Final Frontier? No, it's. Uh, um, I'm totally kidding. It, it's it's not so much a prison. I think because the Vulcans would be like, oh, we don't have prisons. Like uh-huh. we convince yeah. people to come back for rehabilitation, right? Like that's sort of Tapring's job. But to the point of the plan being a little messy <laughs> at best, right? Um, they're operating purely on emotion, like. That's their. <laughs> I do love that our new running villain is just like a romantic, a hopeless romantic. Right. Yeah, I and love which, that. Which yeah, love is that, all that good. keeps it, us alive out here in space, right? And Except they're not running on pure emotion because they had an escape pod already set up. Their plan was to let the Serene Squall get captured <laughs> by the Federation and lose the Enterprise because they had an escape pod set up. So I just realized that. Topring is basically like the warden of a prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what Angel says. Yeah, uh, yeah, like that's interesting to think about. Um, but all Vulcans are bad. Yeah, I think the yeah. I kind of agree with John to a degree. Poktar, Pakta. That the Topring and Spock uh, storyline. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Like, we've seen it. It didn't get resolved this episode. I was going to say earlier when she sort of says, oh, you know, you did that on purpose, but you really sold it because you were a human. She knows. Oh, yeah. That was. She, she, yeah. That comment was like, Tapring knows that he's got doubts, basically. And. Yeah. But they're just choosing to ignore them. Yeah. And I'm just like, kind of like. Okay, we've seen this before. Like, 
like Cam says, like, we know it's sort of a tragedy, um, but I'm, I wasn't as engaged with that storyline, and I feel like the B plot should have been the A plot, <laughs> and there could, should have been a lot less of the Spock into Pring, but they had to do the reveal. I mean, it was basically all about Cybok in the end, the cyborg Spock. I Thank felt you. like <laughs> <laughs> again. He's if that's, if the, if that's the reveal to the reveal. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So I so the only qualm that I had with the squal episode is mm. that okay. I feel like <laughs> they didn't all be winners. Didn't, I didn't. What are, what are you? It rhymes. What are you talking about? Qualm this is just and how I think. Rhyme. You could have just. I don't have any notes. Like, what do you want from me? This is all off the top of my head. I don't think we need needed the scene where they make all the way up right like i could have had that in the next episode because at the end of this episode i was honestly like oh uh T'Pring is not in on the on the ruse like she is just a little bit upset because the actor did a great job of looking really upset while also being really vulcan right like mm-hmm. she kind of like um half-eared her vulcan salute she didn't like really give it her all with that and it was kind of I don't know. I just felt like I didn't need the last scene where they fully make up because I, if they'd given to that to me next week toward the middle of the episode, I've gone, oh, okay. So they made up, you know, that was kind of, I was worried about that, but here it was like, okay. That, that's the scene that I felt was like sweet to maybe go like, oh, I'm kind of actually rooting for these two now. Yeah. Uh, I also like that we learned that Vulcans literally <laughs> swipe right when they're done with yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Cybok was on to bring ship? Do you think she brought him? No. Okay. I was very confused by this because Angel immediately wants to fire on T'Pring's ship. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Right. The second time I watched, no, T'Pring says, I will give you the transport codes for his cell or something, which the whole geography of the end really confused me. That's what this was my big problem with this episode is like, so I'm going to meet you at the edge of Federation space and we're going to transport prisoners, but they don't have technology to transport from the edge of Federation space to Vulcan, do All they? The Vulcan? Yeah. yeah so what is yeah. happening? And then again, like the the squall showing up with Pike at the helm out of nowhere, right where the secret rendezvous was, which apparently served no purpose. Yeah. So I also want to go back to Mary talking about the Mortagus because yes. Ortegas was on point today or oh in this episode. God. Absolutely. And like yeah. those scenes again with the blind date references, those were mm-hmm. perfect. Although I didn't like the end, like pirate thing that Pike did, I felt like that was way too far. I was like, "Don't do an arg!" Like, <laughs> come on! Like that was just too cheese. He too went cheese. total space dad. In that yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I kind and of agree. I think Una's reaction is is what sells kind it of a sort little bit. It. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 right there. If he had been more subtle about it, if he just sat there giving an order, then just been like quietly. Are. I think yeah, it would yeah. be like nope, that's enough. Funnier <laughs> if they just like were were zoomed in on Una's face, and then they panned over, and he's wearing a, a pirate eye patch. <laughs> yes, yeah, like yeah. that would have been funnier than the from? arg. <laughs> uh, also, going back to Mary's comment, I think she talked about just how beautiful everything is, and and I did want to echo that. I mean, not just because. We believe that one of the designers of Strange New Worlds listens, but I do believe they do a really good job. And I was just talking to my brother-in-law today. Turns out he's a big Strange New Worlds fan. So we were talking about that. And he was saying how like he can just leave it on and just like let the images play in the background and how gorgeous it is. And 100% agree. 
I feel like we got to see the biggest wide shot of engineering of the warp core, mm. even bigger than we had in some of the other episodes. Like when when they're sitting there talking with the chapel, it was gorgeous. The Jeffrey's tube. I yes. mean, yeah. So here's yeah. a set design. Here's an additional huge nerd moment for me. Surprise. The pictogram that represents engineering that we see in this episode. And I think in one of the other movies, if I'm not mistaken on my reading, of Jorg Hillebrand's Twitter account at GachYogi49. <laughs> Again, he has no association with the show, but he's great for details. Um, so it looks to me like the warp core in this enterprise is actually designed to look like the pictogram from engineering, because the pictogram from engineering is like this weird, like almost fractal shape, right? And it sort of looks like the Star Wars logo, if you want to go there. But I would say it looks more like a particle accelerator, ultra simplified, which is sort of how the warp core looks in this series. So I love that there is a consistency not only in the character beats that we're getting. For example, they're expanding on what's what we know about Spock and Chapel and Uhura and Pike, right? But they're also keeping a consistent visual language, which is something that we've all noted several times, but it does deserve praise every week, I think, because to Cameron's point, it really is. It's like everything is lovingly designed. There are no details in here that are accidents. Every single frame has what it's supposed to have in it on purpose, and it is gorgeous to look at. Cameron, what do you think the engineering room looks like? Because I know what I think it looks like. It's Star Wars. It looks like oh, sure, yeah, where the, the shield generator, yeah, the shield generator. No, it's the, room. the beam, right? When they fire, when they fire the Death Star beam, where the beam goes through. No, when like Han Solo and Leia are like trying to take out the shield generator that is around the Death oh, Star. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that room. too, that too. You're right, you're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see or, down on Endor. Or yeah. a chasm mm-hmm. that somebody falls down. Like half of Star Wars takes place in chasms, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah. I also want to go back to Michelle real quick. Uh, again, thank you for coming on last week. Great guest, Michelle. And thank you for continuing to call in with your uh, Beverly crushers of it all. Uh, also, I was a little bit spoiled from Twitter. I heard there was a big reveal, and I, I hate that. Like even just knowing there's going to be a twist, like, starts you like wondering and looking for it and maybe that's why i did kind of catch on I, as soon as uh, angel said the the fake name zandarius or whatever i was like oh i don't know that name maybe that was cybok's first name i bet it's going to be cybok and then at the end the big you're right it, it, it was a very marvelly reveal of cybok and i agree it didn't need to be that i don't know why they didn't just say cybok earlier and let that be the big reveal like it was fine we don't need it for this big dramatic moment just say cybok yeah, if he's a various, if he's a various to that to that prison, it's like Spock, call your girlfriend right now and say Zavarius is my goddamn half brother Cybok. <laughs> Do not let him at like make some phone calls because I guarantee when Cybok gets out sometime later this season or next season, they're gonna be like, hey, Spock's brother. Like you should oh, know this. That's where there the Capri- been a conference room. That's where the breakup's gonna come. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to like kidnap Tapring. Oh shit. Because he said, I deduced who this is. And it's like, well, what do you mean you deduced who it is? Because they told you it was somebody named Zavirius. So, like, I was sort of. But they said that was a, because he says, like, that must be a fake name. Yeah. Right. And you call your girlfriend and tell her that it's a fake name. Yeah. Right. You need to pick up the phone. But it's, and and that's, you know, not only that, but it, it is like, I think the reason for the mechanic, obviously, is so that people who know who Cybok is aren't going Oh, they burned the Cybok reveal like through three quarters of the way through the episode, so they are out of stakes, right? Because yeah. 
then what are we going to care about for the rest of the episode? Like, yes, it's nice that Spock and T'Pring made up, but like I said, if they waited till the start of the next episode to show me that, I would have been okay. Like, I'd, I'd have been fine with that. But I I think before we move on, I think the last thing that I have to say is uh, thank you to new caller Mary, who it sounds like she actually went to the effort to go out and get a microphone and plug it into her computer so that she could be part of the show tonight. So thank you, Mary. We appreciate yeah. that. Welcome to the time. Open Pike Night stage, Mary. Thank you. The next couple of guests up on stage. First up is Joel from the Selden Crisis podcast at Selden Crisis Pod on Twitter. Joel from Selden Crisis. What an astonishing episode. The crew beams down to a world that's supposed to be desolate and is anything but. They go to high school, visit a morgue, crash a plane, descend an internal stairway, and face a terrifying squid-like thing while rafting across a lake. It's a brilliant philosophical study on mortality, and every scene is absolutely enthralling. Captain Mercer's answer to Kelly's question on why he wants to live forever is one I've given myself on multiple occasions. Quote, I just want to see what happens, end quote. Wait, this is open Orville, right? Oh, no, don't tell me I stepped into the wrong club. Strange new worlds. Is that what you folks are into here? Fabulous episode. Loved Nurse Chapel's astonishing hypospray foo. Feel better now? What's up, Open Pike? Since Sarah's got a lot to unpack this week with this great episode, uh, the A and B plot seem to have gotten equal time, so I'm going to stick to my favorite, which is Captain Boy Scout versus Space Pirates. That had me rolling the entire time, and also I felt a little bit of kinship with Captain Pike. Not with the hair, but with the fact that I think if I was put in that situation, I would attempt to use my cooking skills to start a mutiny. Because why not? Anyone can shoot a place up. Anybody can look cool walking away from an explosion. But how many captains can win over a crew of thirsty pirates by improving gruel? Very hard to accomplish, worthy of the captain's chair. Uh, We had a nice big reveal at the end, which I'm not too sure about. We'll see where it goes. I hope it's less of what Twitter is telling me, where Cyback revealed to be the big bad of the season or series. And I'm really just hoping that we kind of see a Paul Walker gives uh, I owe you a 10-second car to Vin Diesel and and then Cyborg rides off into the sunset towards Nimbus 3 and that's where we leave him until the uh, the uh, unmentionable Star Trek property that no one wants to talk about. That's my time. Uh, live long and live a quarter light year at a time. All right, that was Steve Sinisera at Sinisera Biz on Twitter, bringing some timely Fast and Furious references. <laughs> a quick, quick question: I haven't wa- watched the new Orville yet. Is it exactly the same as Stranger Things? Yeah, I thought he was making a Stranger Things reference. I thought it was a Stranger Things. There was a plane crashing, a squid in a lake. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's not the same. is it the same show? That hmm. sounds like the Lord of the Rings. There's a squid in a lake. They crash. <laughs> Yeah, but how many planes get crashed? Oh, I guess that's fair. Strange New Worlds is a thousand times better than (laughs) I was going to say, you you have to be super honest, though. Strange New Worlds has its own flavor of cheese that I am so totally here for. Um, But I I totally agree with Joel when he finally mentioned Chapel's Hypo Spray Foo. Chapel is just, Chapel is so much fun. I'm really glad that on a ship, 
where we are in love with the captain and his just phenomenal follicles, where we are in <laughs> love with Ortegas and we need hashtag Mortegas, where we're in love with this young, new, precocious, like, how much do I share version of Uhura? We still have space to be in love with the doctor who looks to be having an amazing adventure next week and to be in love with Chapel, who's literally just a nurse. Like, how, how often did you get the nurse character expanded? And the answer is only in this series. Yeah. And who I believe would never have been captured had it not been for Spock. Yes. Bringing <laughs> the captain of the pirate ship into the engineer. Like. I think Chapel would have stayed free the whole time. Yes, I also and just agree gone that gone full diehard. Yeah, Chapel should so. become a pirate. I agree. Although apparently she uses the ship's computer the same way Lawaxana Troy does. Yes. How does this thing work? <laughs> God dang it! As though uh, she hasn't yeah. been living on that ship for like a while. <laughs> you guys have talked about how Ortegas is your favorite character. I don't feel like I've picked a favorite character yet. I I mean I like all of them. I wouldn't say that I love all of them, Jesse. Um, and what's funny is, like, Una, I feel like she got an episode, but Una is, like, up there for me, just because I like how she, her presentation, like, I feel like she's sort of this strong, kind of in the background kind of first officer that is helping people from, like, bolstering people from behind. Plus, she's got that amazing ponytail, those amazing fingernails. You know, I don't know. I'm really digging Una, but she's doesn't she doesn't really get a lot of play. Like all these side characters, like she's number one, <laughs> and like Laon gets more play, Ortegas gets more play. Like all these people that aren't her get more play. So I'm rooting for the underdog. And I'm rooting for Una. Uh, speaking of uh, rooting for the underdog, going back to Michelle, I do think. Final Frontier gets a little too much hate. Uh, the first two acts are really good. And then the third act, yes, uh, just <laughs> tanks that entire fucking movie. And yes, there's no wonder why you forgot everything, Marcy. Because, yeah, I, I know Cybox in it. I can't remember his plan or his fate at all. It's not uh, great. Having said that, I uh, like being surprised how much I enjoyed Dupreeing and Spock's relationship. I was surprised how much I like Cybox showing up. Uh Again, his the way they revealed him overly dramatic, but like the Gorn, he just seems like a great villain. Like he was a, a really cool concept, an idea like a Vulcan terrorist. That's a cool idea. A Vulcan who has uh, foregone everything about his culture and embraced the high emotions. Uh, and then, of course, like the Gorn and their bad rubber suits, he was in the final frontier. So let's take this great idea and do something fun and good and really milk it for what it's worth. And I think he could be a really great running villain. He and Captain Angel both. Cameron, you're brilliant. They're fixing all the dumb stuff. OK, what's <laughs> <laughs> what's the next dumbest thing in Star Trek, you guys, specifically from TOS? I don't have an answer for this. This is entirely spontaneous, <laughs> but because that is the next thing they'll fix, right? Like, yeah. I, oh, wow. OK, so, yeah. Um, audience, please find the next dumbest thing in TOS <laughs> and send it in to openpike at gmail.com or tweet it at me on Twitter at Open Pike. I think that might be what they do next in Strange New Worlds. The last thing I will say <laughs> is that Steve said he felt a sense of kinship by uh, 
realizing that if he were going to try to start a mutiny, he would use food as well. <laughs> um, if you guys were going to try to start a mutiny, what would you prove to the crew that you were better at than the captain? Probably whatever uh, uh, movies they were uh, showing for movie night. <laughs> like, really? They're just showing you the Fast and Furious franchise from beginning to end again. Let me let me uh, let me break out some. Uh, and this is this is the 22nd, know, 23rd century, looper. right? So they've got to have like 40 Fast and Furious movies. Oh, by my then. God. Oh, easily. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a multiverse Fast and Furious whole franchise now going. <laughs> Uh, well, I have really good hand-eye coordination. I used to play softball, so I'd probably, like, challenge the captain to some kind of, um, like, I don't know, Riker game in, like, the holodeck mm-hmm. or... Ambo-jitsu. Yes. I mean, I'm not good at martial arts. But no. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a dart-throwing contest or <laughs> a knife-throwing contest. Or, like, a hot tub mimosa-drinking contest. Yeah. I'd... Oh! Like, <gasps> actually, that's him. Drink, I, I would drink him under the desk like uh, Karen Underwood style. Yes, exactly. That's Ravenwood. it. Karen Ravenwood. Oh, that was embarrassing. And I just said I was. I'd do a an movie Indiana guy. Jones. I'd just like drink vodka after vodka shot. Wait, With wait, wait. I'm sorry. I need, Marian, I need to correct this. Marian. Marian Ravenwood. Karen Allen, who played Marian Ravenwood. I, I know. I was like, who the fuck are you talking about? I'm talking about Marian from Indiana Jones. Let's just retake that whole thing. Time crystals. Where are the time crystals? Oh, no, 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 no. You don't get to invoke time crystals. That is not how this works, Damn Cameron. It. All right. Let's hear from our next guest on the Open Pike Night stage. Hey, hey, Open Pike. It's Abby Summer from the First Flight Podcast again. All right, there's so much we could talk about with this episode, which was such a fun space pirate romp. But I just want to talk about the last five minutes, because that was the best last act, I think, of the season so far. First of all, start with that beautiful ship shot under and around the Enterprise. Like, oh, chef's kiss on that. Pike talks like a pirate. Una responds. Ortega's with that smile. You have the whole thing with T'Pring and Spock, which is so many levels talking to each other at the same time. And then he goes and talks to Chapel, and your heart just fills for what you already know the end of both of these stories are. But they get there, and all those layers that they're putting in are just amazing. And then, of course, the reveal at the end of Cybok. Ah! I yelled out loud. It was amazing. I loved this final act. Where are we going next? More Cybok? Gorn? Looks like the Ren Fair? I love this show. Hope you guys enjoyed this week as much as I did. All right, that was Abby from the First Flight Podcast at First Flight Pod on Twitter. So yeah, it was a good wrap-up to this episode. I didn't like the third act with the, the confrontation, the easy resolve, but the dinner... Denouement, I don't want to be too pretentious about it. But yes, all of those wrap-ups at the end, uh, like we talked about, the R kind of barely worked because of Una. Loved the Tapering Spock, like I said. I, I it, My heart went out for them on that. And then, yeah, Spock and Chapel are always great. And yep. I like uh, knowing that Cybok is coming and knowing that uh, Angel is also out there. I mean, we haven't talked much about Angel. I thought they, she, I, we don't really know how uh, Captain Angel identifies. We just know that Dr. Aspen is non-binary. But either way, I thought like once they the reveal came, whether you saw it coming or not, and we can talk about that, like they were just so much fun to watch. Oh yeah. They were they they were into the role big, big times. Like, okay, the the switch from you know, it was a very, very skillful playing of the crew. I 
Was anybody really surprised? A, a little bit, because like, yes, they are giving off hardcore I'm a villain vibes, which, you know, a lot of Star Trek does. Uh, but I was, you know, a little bit meta. I do knew did know that they had a trans actor playing this character. And I was like, were they going to have like their trans guest actor play a villain? I don't know. And then there was a little bit of a red herring when they revealed that, um, you know, they had a Vulcan husband and everything. I was like, oh, maybe this was what they were hiding the whole time. They were definitely hiding something. We all yeah. knew that. So I thought they kind of like just before the big twist, they kind of made me question it enough for it to work. I picked up on, I don't know, ten, somewhere between 10 and 12 lines between, I think, almost all of them between Dr. Aspen and Spock that it's like, OK, this is this is coded talk for trans identity, things like that. Oh, for, yeah. For non-binary identity. There, there was a lot of, of lines for that. I'm glad they didn't hit it over the head and, and make no. the episode about that. It's like, yes, great. OK. Who cares if the if the character is trans? They're still a bad captain with a weird plan to take over the ship. Like, hey, yes, like anybody can be a villain and anybody can be a fairly incompetent villain. That's fun to see. Well, yeah, I mean, casting a trans actor to say those lines meant a lot. I think about yes, fitting into yeah. boxes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I will say, good firefight. Good, like that oh. whole the whole sequence of the ship takeover. I was I was definitely on board with like all right this is this is a solid firefight good action spock looked like a freaking badass walking around the ship i liked the entire thing but i don't know that it was coded so much as it was just like this is easily applicable to you know a, a trans character um but my favorite part about it was that it felt so much like marcy had mentioned i think earlier like we had a counselor on this ship like i mean Dr. Aspen is a counselor, right? Like, so this this person pretending to be Dr. Aspen did a pretty good job of being a counselor. And I really feel like we're careening toward Pike going like, hey, Starfleet, we should put counselors on every ship. Like, every bridge <laughs> should have a counselor on it. I think. Not evil ones, yes, but counselors. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe, some, maybe put somebody on your bridge who's a good counselor, but is, like, prone to, I don't know, let's call them mental takeovers, because that would sort of balance out the benefit, right? We don't want to be too make for some OP. real hijinks every couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, Pike, when you, when you recommend a change to Starfleet structure, you have to make sure it's not too OP. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I'm kind of dense because I didn't know anything about the actor and I didn't know that they were trans and I didn't pick up on any of that stuff. I just enjoyed the actor's portrayal of this character and I felt like I also was drunk when I watched the first time. So this is probably why I didn't pick up on the fact that she was evil. But uh, Wait, the ninja outfit she walks in wearing to tip you I off. I don't know, Cam. I see mean, how many zippers that coat had, Marcy. Yeah. Come I, on. I was just like, says hey. the character in their full tactical get up. Hey, it was basically just it kind of reminded me of the fifth element outfit, but with like it was black, you know, because it had bandage looking stuff all along the important parts. Um, <laughs> and but but I was just impressed that they could do a completely skin tight outfit that didn't really reveal much of the body's shape, which like it just I, I was I was impressed that 
it didn't look something like a Deanna outfit might look like where you're like feeling like you're mm-hmm. seeing every crevice. They did a good job of just doing kind of a, a an outfit that was cool and interesting skin type, but not like revealing, I guess. I mean, as a male, I don't know if I can say this, but I feel Strange New Worlds has done a good job of kind of tamping down the male gaze, which has been yeah, yeah. in pa- Star Trek past. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that uh, Jesse James Keitel may be the slightest person I have ever seen. Like, a, a stiff space breeze could send this pirate <laughs> captain just careening down a hallway, right? Like... That was the only part where I was like, the, the the non-believable part of this is that this 91-pound person is, like, running at full speed anywhere. Because I was like... <laughs> so you, you, you think Chapel should have come right over that engineering console as soon as they pulled the phasers? And like, okay, I've done... I've already handled a couple of the crew. I'll take you out, too. Like <laughs> That was the w- unbelievable part, is, like, she took out people in engineering. Like, she had the surprise with the other guy... But, like, did she, like, stalk the people in engineering to knock them out with the hypospray? Oh, she, I, I love that when uh, Spock and Angel come in, like, she holds up the hypospray like she's going to shoot them from across the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, speaking of the firefight, uh, one, bridge phaser's awesome. Ortega's gets the fire stuff. Loved it. Also, I love that, like, a pirate gets in and, like, holds up. Uh, Angel holds up, like, but, you know, holds her at gunpoint. And you know that pirate was like, oh, I get to like hold up the captain. This is cool. And then just immediately gets its ass handed to him by Spock. Like Spock fucking Royal Rumbles that pirate. That pirate. Spock kicking ass. That's the cheese we were talking about, right? Like oh, yeah. they, they just clearly put that guy on a cable and had Spock like <laughs> make a throwing hey, motion, but it was really well executed. But it like, was a classic a TOS it. though. Yes, that is like exactly. classic TOS Spock. This is that's why I love this firefight. Not I mean, it was all those things you said, Cam, were cool. But then when Spock starts nerve pinching like every motherfucker, <laughs> and then he tosses that guy across the bridge, I'm like, oh, that is old Spock right there. And then you're like, did you see him dodge a blaster fire? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I was, was awesome. like, you can dodge blaster fire? Like, what is happening? <laughs> They're That's without the colon art. <laughs> Vulcans are supposed to be significantly stronger than, and better than I know, people, right? So if you're stronger, like, it would stand to reason that, like, your twitch muscles would be faster, I think. Hey, Stronger it feels doesn't like mean that you can, like, you have better dexterity. We all play yes, D&D does. and know that. No. <laughs> Strength <laughs> equals dexterity in space, Marcy. I don't think Arnold space. Schwarzenegger could, like... In space, he could, yes. Bend over and yes. touch his toes, much yes. less, like... In space, he could. Now I just want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger as, like, the science officer on a starship. Well, let me tell you... <laughs> That asteroid field is looking like we need to go around it. What do you think Ortega is? Can you take us manually through those asteroids? Okay, I thought that was a Tholian web. We all thought it was a Tholian web <laughs> in the trailer, right? And they wanted us to think it was a Tholian they web. They got us, yeah. man. I was like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. Tholians, yeah, Tholians. Yeah, they got us. I was gotten. Yeah, I did like Ortega's manually flying. Again, I love seeing how they acknowledge, like, hey, when you're flying around asteroids and... and you're going to smack one off your ship, your shields every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it was just, yeah, that the fun little scenes. And I, I think that's part of what, what we, that's what I enjoy so much about Ortega's is it's not just how cool a character is. It's, it's how 
Pike interacts with Ortega's mm-hmm. and and trusts her. Mm-hmm. Like he'll make he'll be like, sure, blind date. He, he gives her like, okay, what did you he, just say? He Kinda has his own shorthand with everyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, but their their shorthand shows that there is so much trust there, and and that is good captaining. He did yeah. when when he you know when she's manually piloting, he doesn't order her to hand it off. He just reminds her that he's there. He's got her back. And if she needs somebody to step in and take over piloting, like he's, he know mm-hmm. he'll, he'll watch out for her, but he know he trusts her skills. So, and the next time anyone complains about Ortega's being too casual on the bridge, just like show him the gif of Pike doing the pirate voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, exactly. that's, that is the atmosphere he is setting on the bridge. Yeah. Or, you know, any, uh, scene of Kirk like ever, <laughs> past me uh, i was just gonna say i do i do hope if we get like the handoff scene at one point in the strange new worlds i do want like kirk to come on and like ortegas be ortegas and like kirk be like i, I don't know what to do with this and he'll just be like i'm out of here i need I, a new captain never mind i'm reassigning um i think it would be funny if kirk came onto the ship and he was wearing his dress uniform and ortegas was like oh good you're in your dress uniform we're gonna go meet the captain for dinner so that we could get some continuity <laughs> right from the first episode to the final episode, but that should be years yeah. down the line. I'm, I'm sure that's years away. All right. We have one more guest on the Open Pike Night stage tonight. Hi, everyone. This is Tim from the FSF Popcast. We're a show that covers all things nerdy, geeky, in the pop culture world. So for me, Strange New Worlds is an exploration of all things new in Star Trek. And I say that because I am new to the Star Trek world. I've always been a Star Wars guy. I always kind of avoided Star Trek. But I've really started to enjoy the Star Trek universe. In fact, viewing of Strange New Worlds has led me back into the original series, and I've been watching that from the start. I think one of the things that's most impressive to me about Strange New Worlds is that it helps me to see Spock as not something that's detached from his own half-humanity. I I think Strange New Worlds has helped us really to understand that he is definitely struggling with that side of things, and that there is a lot for him to learn by the time we see him in the original series. In episode 7, the Serene Squall really helps us to understand that. He has conversations with uh, this person that we come to find out is is not a, a doctor, not a, you know, a counselor, but instead the captain of the Serene Squall, Captain Angel. And she wants his half-brother Cybok released. And it's kind of interesting, the humanity that Spock shows in this episode so that he can preserve all those around him. I've really come to enjoy this series. That was Tim from the FSF Popcast at FSF Popcast on Twitter. Welcome to the Open Pike Night stage, Tim, our second new contributor tonight. Love it. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of Spock's exploration of human humanity versus Vulcanity in this <laughs> season so far. And, and it, it is nice to know that, like, even even the way I'm feeling with, like, okay, this that's a lot. That's a lot for seven episodes to focus on on one romance that is everybody is assuming is doomed, but it seems like they do keep executing it well. Yeah, I mean, going back to what we were saying, like it's it's interesting and I think uh, fruitful to like make Spock this non-binary allegory, at least especially the way they did it in this episode. Yeah. Well, and they did a great job of giving us so many examples of what. Um, captain angel is talking about when they're saying you know 
society wants you to be labeled or be in a category and you can be between categories or more than one category, however they put it. And that's like pretty, pretty apropos for every character here, right? Because we have Mm -hmm. this character being a pretty good dang counselor, but also is a pirate captain (laughs) who's like really (laughs) arch and does not want to be here and is disgusted by you people, right? Like, so it's good acting and it's a good indicator. Oh, look, you can be more than one thing at the same time. And I think, you know, obviously Spock being the other example of that, but I think we also get Pike because Pike this spends this episode going, they think I'm a Boy Scout? Like, fine, I'm going to go on an unsanctioned mission at the edge of Federation territory. <laughs> yeah, what is he I'm doing on cook, that away mission? <laughs> I am, I'm going to cook beans for pirates and just hang out, right? Because it's and he's so chill the whole time. So it feels like he's... What happens is they start getting hijacked and he checks his future memories and goes, oh, I, I totally remember how this whole pirate thing goes. This is going to be great. I'm going to cook beans. Which I It'll assume be is why he goes on these away missions. It has yeah. to be, right? It has to be. So, But it's it's him going, I could be two things. I could be like a rough, rowdy guy who makes beans for pirates and and a good Starfleet captain, right? And he does sort of exemplify being a Boy Scout, though, because he goes, I'm, you know, I have to go see if these people need help even though i'm not even <laughs> sure <laughs> like i've almost it's no probably evidence to a go trap. On. Yeah, yeah like I- i'm gonna go anyway <laughs> i think that is where one of my biggest problems with the episode comes in they give us stakes at the end of the episode but then they have none of the characters actually believe that those stakes are real they say there are 200 starving colonists on three ships out there and they're like oh hey the ships are blown up it's like oh darn all right well let's go keep looking like, oh, they're they're probably on this ship. They they get there. Oh, they're not here. Oh, darn. Nobody, nobody was surprised that the colonists didn't exist. And and they didn't. I think that's where I have a big problem with that whole part of it is like the stakes they set up for us at the beginning. Nobody in the show believed that those stakes were real, but they didn't ever say explicitly, hey, I'm pretty sure this counselor person isn't really the counselor pretty sure we're being led into a trap there are two there's a vessel and a little warning buoy beacon that they pass they just don't notice entirely don't see it all with their sensors like okay come on this could have very one or two lines that could have said yeah we're pretty sure this is a trap but eh, let's see where it goes well why do you say they didn't believe the stakes i mean they definitely believe there's 200 uh, civilians out there sure didn't nobody's performances seem concerned when they came on two destroyed ships are like oh they probably all beamed to the the other i i don't know i just it was that part was not sold to me there were more than one instance in this episode where i was like wait what 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 is the plan go for this character like yeah Yeah. which at the end of it i went i like whatever i'm fine with that it's space pirates and it's like cheesy and fun and it was it was like i said i am notoriously probably easy to please when it comes to Star Trek, right? So I'm probably not the most critical voice that you'll hear on this show, but I found myself going, this is ridiculously fun. And then the show went cyborg and I was like, okay, like I, <laughs> I'm so here for this. I don't, I, I missed part of it and I'm sure I don't understand part of this, but I'm so here for some cyborg. Like, uh, I mean, I like, I agree with John. I think that, this is not my favorite episode of this series by far yeah. 
for all the reasons that John <laughs> has described <laughs> multiple times in the podcast. Like, I think it's fun, but just because it's fun doesn't necessarily make it a good episode. <laughs> yes. And so, and like he said, I felt like, oh, we've seen this, like, to bring in Spock thing before. And I think this episode maybe did a good job, like you said, Cameron, of, like, showing us this binary nature of Spock a little bit more clearly. But I also think, like, it's also about the cultural aspect of Vulcan being in a Vulcan, right? Like, there's all these strong traditions that go along with being a Vulcan. And in the human world, they kind of have shown humans to be more, like, some of the individual cultures are represented, but we're more of like that melting pot, right? So hum being a human can be pretty much whatever you want it to be. And he's still trying to fit into that really strict cultural norms that he has from Vulcan. And when somebody is not, we saw that with Worf, when somebody is not actually part of that culture traditionally, then they push even harder to be more Vulcan or more, more Klingon, even than the... Vulcans and the Klingons that have grown up in that culture their whole life because they just they don't approve. They don't know who they are, right? They they're trying to figure that out, and uh, so th I think that's what makes him interesting. That's what made Worf interesting is that we always talked about how like there was Klingons that laughed and had a good time, and Worf just always has a stick up his ass because he's trying to be as Klingon as he possibly can be, and I think that's kind of where we're falling with Spock right now is he's trying to be as Vulcan as he can be. But he doesn't really want to be like, like Worf likes humans, you know, he has human parents and same with Spock. He has a human mom, like he loves his mom more than he loves his dad. So it's kind of interesting to see this play out in his romantic relationships. I also just going back to Tim real quick. Love that Strange New Worlds is bringing so many new uh, Star Trek fans in. Awesome. Yes. And that it's able to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that it that you don't have to be steeped in so much lore. It, it's yeah. Marcy it's awesome. didn't know who Cybok was at the reveal. She still thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Who's Cybok? <laughs> I don't give a fuck." <laughs> Cyborg Spock, I'm down. <laughs> we did have a few write-in comments this hmm. week uh, from Joe at Dex Lower, Rosie at Rosalita nine eight nine nine, and Kelly at Antipodle. Um, Spock, they're happy to see Spock is capable of defending his ship and his crew with epic efficiency. I'll agree with that. <laughs> Again, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, I love when like Una sees him around the corner and she's just yeah. like, okay, just good. a little wave we off good. signal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, this is where I declare Captain Pike, my favorite captain in any verse. I love Picard, Malcolm Reynolds and two from dark matter, but Captain Pike can cook. He's a Boy Scout, and he makes an outstanding pirate face. <laughs> Loved Ortega's flying the ship with joy, which I'll, I'll agree with. Just, just she enjoys what she does, and uh, love the Jesse James Keitel um, and and their her performance was so good, and enjoyed them as Doctor Aspen and Captain Angel both because I do think she played two very different characters mm -hmm. and swapped between them extremely well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just. 
I, I don't know where else to say it. I just love the line when she's like, let's get those transporters hot and trade lovers. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. OK, that line. I'm down with any character who can say and sell that line. Well, what, when she has like an orgasm, the moment she sits down in like the captain's chair, you're like, OK. I, and I love that she does exactly what any of us would have done the yeah. second we sat in the Enterprise chair. <laughs> Let's fire some lasers and see what this baby can do. <laughs> yep, immediately. I'm like, shoot the guns and see what this thing can do. <laughs> Hard relate with you, Captain Angel. Oh, yeah. And the pirates oh, yeah. that like, do it are yeah. like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, yeah. Just the joy they get after firing it. They give a little cheer. Like, just the okay. straight space. Yeah, I mean, they're not even shooting any of the asteroids around them. Yeah, but I we did get the uh, the threat of being sold to Klingons, and I gotta say, I swear to Kuvma, if I don't see a Klingon in Strange New Worlds at some point, I am going to be upset. What are they going to look like? Are they going to look like Discovery? I I, okay, dis- so actually, Marcy, I'm glad you asked that because on Twitter <laughs> this week, so Cameron had mentioned that there was a little bit of spoilage going on in the form of like, oh, there's a surprise. Watch out for the surprise. So in an attempt to run interference on that <laughs> surprise, I went, can you believe that Strange New Worlds just brought back TOS-style Klingons? <laughs> and I had a couple people go, OMG, really? They did? <laughs> and we were just like, I'm just going to click like on these responses and leave those there. <laughs> if Cybok is just every once in a while randomly there, but never actually pulls anything off, I'd be happy with that, too. To our caller's comment of, I'm hoping what I saw on the internet about him being the big bad for the season is wrong, it probably is. The show has been very episodic up to now. Why would they suddenly go, all right, now we're doing a season-long Cybok thing? Like, yeah. they'll well, probably going to be a season long. It's like, it's like TNG. They'll bring right. a recurring villain. Exactly. He'll be there yeah. every once in a while. Any uh, final thoughts? Anything we haven't, haven't addressed from people's notes? Spock. That's what guessing is, is taking incomplete data. We never have all the data. There's all, we, there's always mysteries, but guessing is taking incomplete data and making the best, most logical deduction based on that. Come okay, on. but if your data equally points to two possible conclusions, then you have to use intuition or, mm. you know, emotion or is chance yeah. for him. I, I do wish he had picked wrong because then... Aspen, Dr. Aspen would have been like, no, no, are no, you no, sure yeah, you yeah. want to pick that one? <laughs> I did notice that like, oh, Dr. Aspen is the one who told him how to uh, defeat these. Yep. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and again, then, I believe that yeah. they weren't set by the Serene Squall, but like she's been out here long enough that she knows. I think the Squall was the only ship out there. I just think they were trying to really scare up, you know, in- engender fear in the crew of Maybe. the Serene Squall. It's like, your your pirate crew is not matching up to the stories you're telling. <laughs> <laughs> also, you as a captain, just just leaving everybody behind. Like, okay, you really like the uh, past or future Marcy. I don't know which Marcy said. I love that the episode's about love because I like myself some soap opera. I guess I learned that on Green Shirt. I didn't know that the term was soap opera, but I guess I like soap operas, and that's okay, people. High drama. High drama. Thanks for giving me a new term for it, Cameron, <laughs> but I'm okay. I'm okay being a little trashy sometimes. Um, you know, we like to see love, and I think sometimes in shows it gets put off to the side, but 
they're kind of featuring it here, so I can't complain about that. Well, in that line of, you know, love is the only thing out here that makes the emptiness and coldness of space bearable or whatever it was that mm-hmm. Dr. Angel slash Captain, Dr. Aspen slash Captain Angel said, um, where again, it's like, that's a, a relatable, true sentiment, you know, despite this character being evil, air quotes, and a pirate, uh, right. that's, that's still a fair and true sentiment, I think. So it, it still hits Spock hard. Well... Thank you to all of our guests on the OPN stage. We wouldn't be the podcast we are without you, and we love our growing audience. It's time to rate this episode. Where would you guys rank the episode in your Strange New World Season 1 lineup so far? Yeah, I mean, I liked a lot about it. It was super fun. I liked Angel a lot as a villain. Super fun. I liked the Cybok reveal. I liked uh, falling in love with Tapring and Spock. But... <laughs> Uh, Ortegas has a line near the end where she goes, what happened? And that was kind of my reaction to then. It just all got resolved and wrapped up a little too conveniently and fast. All these fun pieces. So for me, it was a very middling episode at, by the end, uh, which means I put it uh, below episode four, six, one, and two. So it falls in there. And then I liked it more than episode three and five. I maintain my order from last week, four, six, two. Five, one, three, and seven coming in dead last. This uh, this is an episode that, if it were on TV, I would definitely be like, eh, I gotta think hard about it before I would watch the whole thing again. Dead as those colonists who don't even exist. Exactly. I think I will go with four, two, six, five, three, seven, one. I think uh, seven is getting toward the end of my ranking, but it is not at the end of it. I think the first episode is still there just because I have liked what I've seen every week. So I haven't felt let down yet uh, by an episode. I haven't had a moment where I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't watched, you know, when I did other than, you know, with uh, episode six where I watched before work and that was maybe a little bit heavy to watch before work. <laughs> um, I haven't been like, oh, I should have been happier when I watched this episode because the episode wasn't great. And therefore, you know, I am not giving it a fair chance or something like that. I still think Memento Mori, the submarine episode, is the best episode. It's so good. And then... I'm basically all my rankings are John's rankings. So it's four, six, two, five, one, three, and seven. Not to say that I didn't think that there was lots to like about seven. And kind of like Jesse is saying that all the episodes are definitely worth watching. But I really, I really like the little more heavy episodes, I guess. I felt like they dealt with these, the themes and the, the ethics episodes. Are the ones that I kind of like, <laughs> obviously. And the acting is a lot better in them. I think the comedy, they're still trying to find their footing with, even though it is fun, it's like sometimes just co- doesn't come off as, it's a little, a little over the top sometimes when <laughs> like you have these super serious episodes and then like the next episode he's saying like arg in his captain chair. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like I said before, it feels like these are very good dramatic writers and directors who are sometimes bad at uh, comedy. <laughs> they're yeah. they're stretching themselves a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say they're bad, but I, I, they're they're going outside their comfort zone sometimes. Yeah, like yeah. like the Selden Crisis said, Cruz said two episodes ago, comedy's hard. 
It is. And it's like, yep, they're still having a hard time with comedy. <laughs> I think they definitely got it. Like, Ortegas has amazing timing. Um, Chapel, too. I love Chapel's and, uh, Yeah, Chapel's clips. good. And I think Mbega and oh, Mbenga has some trouble. And Pike sometimes. Anson Mount is a little bit over the top. He's good with the drama, not so much the comedy. Disagree. Yeah, I mean, he had my favorite comedic moment in the comedy episode, but I agree that sometimes he nails it, and sometimes it is like, oh, what were you going for there? I mean, I guess it's not, I'm not saying that he's bad at it. I'm just saying that, like, I'm, it doesn't hit as true as his drama. Sure. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another Open Pike Night. Jesse, now that we're 70% of the way through <laughs> oh. season one of Strange New Worlds and Open Pike Night, how can our listeners get on stage and share their thoughts, feelings, or jokes about Strange New Worlds? Maybe you're 70% of the way through it, but as soon as it's done, I'm going to watch it with all of the cool people in Europe who are watching it yeah, for the first time Europe. as it goes. Yep. Uh, I think when this comes out, we'll be like two days away from the European release, if I'm not mistaken, maybe three days. Uh, so. Yeah yay for you um but if as john mentioned you would like to get on stage the easiest way to do that is to subscribe to the open pike night crew manifest which of course is a free weekly newsletter reminder that you can get to by going to my twitter handle at open pike and clicking on the start reading button there you will get a free weekly reminder to send your voice into us with a link to do so and be sure to check your spam and junk folders when you subscribe to that because i assure you our newsletter is neither and marcy how can people find more of you i'm mostly on tiktok now at pnw beetroot like the vegetable i'm also on instagram under that handle so if you want to follow me at those two places come find me and Cam? Yeah, we invite you to join the jaunty crew of the good ship Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation, where I am sailing into uncharted waters and watching TNG for the very first time with my much more savvy crew. Uh, come join us. We're in season five at Greenshirt87 on Twitter and Greenshirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation, wherever you find your podcasts. And Jesse, how about you? If for whatever reason you need just a little bit more of me, you can find my other show, Sudden But Inevitable, wherever you are currently listening to this podcast, and you can follow the Twitter account for that show on Twitter, at Sudden But with one T. We are currently going through the anime series Death Note with my good friends Josh and Ricky, who are not anime fans at all, I would say. And after that, we're going to circle back around to how Sudden But Inevitable got started and celebrate the 20th anniversary of a little show called Firefly. So if that sounds interesting to you, go find Sudden But Inevitable wherever you find podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at John T. Bolt. It's been a long night and we have dried bowls of gruel to clean up. That stuff sets up like concrete. Anybody who stays behind will be remanded to Starfleet Security along with their ship, and be sure to tip your servers. You can go anywhere you want, but you can't stay here. Mm-hmm.